Cardinals Corner from Arizona Sports. Cardinals Corner from Arizona Sports with Tyler Drake and Lauren Koval. What's going on, everybody? Tyler Drake here for another edition of Cardinals Corner. And no, Lauren Colville is not in studio with me today, but instead we have a special guest. His name is Mitch Vareldis. You've probably heard him on Burns and Gambo. He's a producer there, and he is also co-host of State of the Sun Devils. So, Mitch, thanks for coming in and pinch hitting. Got to got to throw some baseball, throw baseball pun in, especially with the way the baseball has overtaken the valley right now. Uh, good to be here. Um, I wish we were here on better circumstances, of course, but, you know, always happy to chop up some football talk with you, Ty. So, yeah, we're here right after the Cardinals lost a 31-24 matchup to the Baltimore Ravens, but I will tell you guys right now that score is not an indication of what this game looked like. Not at all. Whatsoever. Uh, you know, the Cardinals came out, scored right away. After that, I don't think they scored until like the six and a half mark somewhere in the fourth quarter. Yeah. That's not going to signal wins at the end of the day. The offense sputtered again. The defense, I thought, played pretty solid for most of the game against Lamar Jackson, who is just on another level this year. I, it, it's easy to say the offense was the problem here, but I guess what was your one of your bigger takeaways from this game as a whole? Well, that's kind of where I start because – you fa- you rewind all the way back to the very first drive of the game. They went all the way down the field and scored a touchdown. And when the Ravens immediately responded with a touchdown of their own, I'm thinking, okay, maybe we might have a little bit of a dogfight on our hands because the Cardinals seem to do this thing where they play really, really well in the first half. Mm-hmm. This was by far their worst first half of the season. Oh, To easily. have an opening drive touchdown and then follow it up with literally nothing, not even a field goal attempt from Matt Prater. That says a lot about how much the offense really struggled to get things going. And look, shout out to the Ravens defense, too, because they were dogs out there. Uh, Roquan Smith was all over the place. I know Patrick Queen got in the backfield a couple of times, too. Like Josh Dobbs did not have plenty of time today. And we knew that was going to be an issue going in with Elijah Wilkinson being placed on IR ahead of the game. And then it got worse when Tristan Colon yes. went down on that opening drive. Like the, <laughs> this offensive line can't catch a break. So, yeah, there's intricate things that you could point to as to, well, OK, they struggled because this and this and blah, blah, blah. But you can't open with a touchdown and then not respond until, to your point, their next score wasn't until 632 in the fourth quarter. There you go. That's way too far apart. Yeah, yeah. I mean, here we go. Let's just go down the go down the list of possessions. We've got the touchdown, first drive, turnover on downs, turnover on downs, punt, interception, end of half, punt, punt, interception, punt, and then you have the touchdown, another touchdown, a field goal. But by that point, yes, the score was closer. Yep. But are we really thinking this is going to be a comeback? No. I think we're all kind of seeing the end result in front of our face. And yes, the score makes it look a little better. But really, if we're looking at it, the Cardinals didn't have a chance this whole game, other than that first, those first couple drives there. And after they fell flat on their face, there goes that momentum. There goes all of that good that you did in that first drive. So that has to be the offense. It just cannot find a consistent way. And, and here's the funny thing is we've talked week in and week out about how the fourth quarter has been the worst part of this Cardinals offense. Mm-hmm. The fourth quarter today, was right? the best part of their offense, and it was really weird to just watch that all unfold. So there's some things you can take away, but at the end of the day, it's still a rough-looking loss just from how they came out and how they, like I said, 
sputtered to the finish line, obviously had a couple of good scoring drives at the end there, but it wasn't going to be the deciding factor in this game because the Ravens just... It's to the point where you can see the teams that are supposed to be where they're at, like the Ravens, yeah, and then you've got the Cardinals where they've got to have everything go right for them to have a chance to win. They throw one or two picks, that game's over. That's really what it comes down to where a Lamar Jackson-led Ravens team could have a couple turnovers, but they are so elite and have these guys, these pieces on both sides of the football Mm -hmm. that can still win it at the end of the day where the Cardinals just aren't there yet. So I guess... Let's get into a weird thing now. Well, hold on. Can I say one thing? Yeah, go for it. Go for it. I I get it. They're the Ravens. They're 6-2. and two. They're coming off that awesome win against the Lions the week before. They weren't all that impressive today. Okay. 157 through the air, 138 adjusted with, with the sacks that Lamar took. He took four sacks, by the way, mm. if we haven't given enough credit to the defense. Dante o- Stills, too. Only 157 yards through the air. And only 130 on the ground, led by Gus Edwards, who <laughs> found his way into the end zone three times Oh, today. yeah. I wasn't super-duper impressed with the Ravens' offense, especially when the week before they put up 42 on a team that everybody was ready to anoint as the next Kings of the North in the NFC, yep. which they probably are. Yep. But in comparison of week to week, that inconsistency, it's going to shine a light on Lamar Jackson. And I can't imagine that John Harbaugh is super happy with the inconsistencies the, the week to week. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, I, yeah, I got to agree with you there because I think for me it was more about what the defense did. The defense yeah. was so good. I mean, when I'm looking at these stats, there's, you know, Queen, Smith, Hamilton all had over 10 or more tackles. They got two interceptions today, too. Two interceptions, two sacks. It just, that, I mean, the tackles for loss, one, two, three, four, five, six, like, that's... That's the blueprint they for had, winning games. They had their way getting into the backfield. They were able to pressure Dobbs a mm-hmm. lot. They had a lot of negative plays forced against the Cardinals offense today. Like I remember there was one snap that I saw. Dobbs turns around. I think he turned the wrong way. Hands it to Keontae Ingram. And before Dobbs could even get out of the way for Ingram to run, there's three dudes standing in front of him. And it's like, all right, I guess Ingram just lost five yards again. I don't know how else we're supposed to describe his contributions anymore because there is none like he's getting usurped by an undrafted rookie yes right now that's yeah. how it's going easily for ingram yeah it's and that's the thing and it and it it's it's rough because a lot of us i think in the press box when he comes in the game are okay what's it going to be how many how many yards is he going to get docked on this on mm-hmm. this run and it's tough to say it for him because he's a good dude like you know talking with him you can tell that he really wants to be the guy it's just it's just not materializing so that is I think it's Amari DiMercato's, it's his backfield until... Until James Conner comes back. And even when Conner comes back, I think DiMercato's still going to be used a lot. I mean, today, he had 20 carries, 78 yards, average was 3.9. It's a little rough, but, I mean, he didn't really have any explosive plays. He had 13 was as long. So, there is a lot of trust there, and obviously he brings another element with pass pro. So, they're going to keep rolling with him until... Either somebody could take it away from him, and I could tell you right now, it's not going to be Keontae Ingram because they only gave him two carries. They only gave Damian Williams two carries, and you know he left with a little bit of an injury. I don't, I don't even know if it was specified. Maybe a knee. Not that I saw. Yeah, I, didn't, or I don't not think that it was I specified. Yeah, so the broadcast. We'll have to see with that. But uh, let's get into something really, really weird. Okay. Are you talking about the slight movement of the football on that fourth yes. down? Yeah. What What's going on there, NFL? What are we doing? Yes, that was a very bizarre turn of events that really was, like, I think right around the nine-minute mark in the second quarter, there was a—Cardinals f- were going for it on a fourth, 
fourth and short, ended up looking like they got it. I thought they got it, to be and frank, like then just barely. There was a certain video clip on the broadcast that Vince Murata actually put out on the yeah. Twitter verse, Shout out verse. So thanks for showing that of the ref going up to the spot and moving the ball just a little bit behind the line. No longer a first down. Instead, a turnover on downs. After the fact, came out. That's the replay. They did a replay up top. That happened to be where the spot was. Mm. But what was your initial, I just, your initial takeaway, just seeing that all unfold? Because in the press box, we're like, what is happening? I just remember watching it live. I'm watching the television broadcast from home, and they had a dead shot. Uh, So shout out to the CBS crew for having this particular shot. They had a dead shot down the line of the football, and they're panning out, and so you can get a full group shot. And then you just see the whichever umpire it was step up to the ball and then like shift it back like a half inch or like a half yard. It was a very confusing moment because them not giving the audience explanation, and I'm talking about the refs is them. Yep. Them not giving explanation as to what they're doing is really starting to frustrate me and really starting to get at me. And I, there's so much. Oh my gosh, football is Script. scripted and everything is happening for a reason because the NFL wants to make money and plan it out this way, blah, yep. blah, 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 blah. Yep. When you as a as a separate union, by the way, don't explain what you're doing, people start to ask questions like this. Exactly. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. Yes. There was, there was a pool report after, right? There was. And okay. I've got it right in front of me. All so right, yeah. NFL Senior Vice President of Officiating, Walt Anderson, uh, was asked about this specific, you know, moving of the ball. Mm-hmm. And he agreed, or didn't agree, but he said, yes, it was a replay assist from the booth. And they waited a little bit because they weren't exactly sure where the officials were going to initially spot the ball after all the players cleared. And we could see it was actually spotted on the big line. Then the replay official told the officials that the ball was clearly short, and that's why the umpire ended up moving the ball. Obviously, with it being short on a fourth down with a new rule this year, a failed fourth down attempt is a booth review. But since we had already assisted, we knew it was short. That's why we didn't stop it to further review it. That's another thing. The perfect timing of the ineligibility of Jonathan Gannon being able to challenge that because Mm -hmm. it's a new rule that the NFL has this year. We want to be responsible for the fourth down conversion calls. Nobody else tells us what to do. Please. Yeah. Like, this is almost as worse as the challenging pass interference that they that, just kind of blew off for a full season. Oh, man. Yeah, that is, that's a very good point. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, just a really weird sequence of events there. And like I said, 31-24, Ravens on top of the Cardinals. Week 8, Cardinals move to 1-7 and seven now in the season. I think we all could... Entering the year, could probably expect this was right around where we thought they'd be, even though the win against Dallas wasn't necessarily the win I thought they'd have at this point. But See, that's what's funny, is that if they didn't have that Dallas win early on, if they weren't up by three scores at halftime against the Giants, I totally would have bought into the, oh, by the way, eight weeks into the season, the Cardinals will be 1-7. I totally would have been bought into that. Mm-hmm. But the the method of how they got to this 1-7, it's almost infuriating. It is. Josh Dobbs has gone from Cinderella Yep, carrots or uh, carts and horse back to pumpkin. Yes, it is. It's 
astonishing to see how badly he's been missing receivers these past few weeks. And with that, we will turn it to more of Dobbs. So, hey. after this game, post-game, obviously the questions are going to come. Another rough game, multiple turnovers. Figured it out at the end, but still, you got to have it for a full four quarters. you got to be consistent. That's the name of the game in the NFL. Right. Joshua Dobbs is still going to be the starter next week, per Jonathan Gannon. He told us post-game, he's sticking with them. He has complete confidence in them. As far as Kyler Murray and week, what is it? It would be nine. Week nine, no, week ten, the next week against Atlanta, Mm -hmm. when Kyler has to at least be activated, he said, we'll see, day to day, in, in terms of if Kyler's going to start against the Falcons. So... I think that pretty much shuts the door on Kyler starting this week. I think Dobbs is going to be the guy, unless Gannon completely goes back on what he just told us. Yeah. Should Dobbs still be the guy? Well, it might just be one more game. I'm going to present this in a fashion of, let's just look at the next opponent and see if it's a good idea to start Kyler Murray in this sort of scenario. As his first game back from a major ACL injury, the Cardinals (laughs) are going on the road to Cleveland, to play the Browns and Miles Garrett, who have one of the better defenses in the league, led by the aforementioned Garrett crossover king, who have been completely revitalized by Jim Schwartz as their DC this year, and they're probably a little upset the way things ended in Seattle today. I don't know if you saw I those of not. you listening. Seattle had a last drive touchdown to take a 24-20 victory away from Cleveland when they were up 20-17 to late. Ooh. Like, seconds remaining, Geno Smith find Jackson Smith and Jigba, and the, and the Seahawks take one away. Ooh. That They didn't really look all that great in either. Geno had a couple of picks. The uh, Browns got into the backfield a couple of times today. I thought for sure that the way that the Browns were playing, they were going to hold on, but wow. Geno pulled a rabbit out of his hat today. And the Seahawks... Now first in the NFC West, That's, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think I could have could have uh, guessed that one at this point, man. Not going to tangent too far from it, but my point being is that I don't want to throw Kyler Murray into the Cleveland Browns fire, especially on the road, especially with that defense. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't line up well. And I'm not saying like, oh, well, let's just have Josh Dobbs be the the sacrificial lamb or the test or the the crash dummy yeah. for this experiment. Kyler Murray is your future. I don't know that Josh Dobbs necessarily is. He's great to have, and he's shown that he can compete at this level. Mm -hmm. But he's not the guy that they're planning to be using for the long term in the regular starting spot. So, yeah, I kind of agree with the decision to start Dobbs. Okay. I don't even want to have a discussion about Clayton Toon either. Well, that's what (laughs) – If you're going into it, it's fine. We're going right into that one. Let's do it. Let's do it. So so that's – I guess for me, yeah, why would you want to rush Kyler back now? You've been – you've covered him in bubble – what is it bubble wrap yeah this whole time why would you rush him back to go to cleveland maybe it's cold to go against that defense last thing you want to do is have that confidence booster just get thrown out the window altogether exactly falcons still have a decent defense but top 10 defense present a lesser i don't want to say lesser opponent but they're not defensively, they're not the Browns. I don't know about their defense because of their pass rush. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I know about their defense because they have a really good secondary led by uh, the offseason acquisition of Jesse Bates. Yeah. And, yeah, so it's a really good defense, but it's not at the same capacity of the Browns' defense. Yes, so I agree with not going with Kyler. Give him one more week to get, make sure he's ready, get him that other week of practice. Clayton Toon is an interesting one just because everyone, I feel like, on Twitter was like, throw him out there, give him a chance, just do it, why mm-hmm. not? And and really, after Dobbs' second pick, 
there was a part of me who was like, why not? At this point, why not? But, do you, again, Kyler is the future. Do you want to throw Clayton Tune in there and hinder whatever kind of growth he's got right now? Because let's be honest, he was a standout in training camp, mm-hmm. but didn't stand out enough to earn the job. They had to go trade for Joshua Dobbs. So what makes it that Tune should go in now and start? I mean, he goes in there and has a rough day. That could send him back quite a bit. Like, I don't think start is an option when it comes to Tune. I think at this point with... And I've, I've seen some good takes on this from several media members across the Arizona sports landscape that, reminder, Kyler was a full participant in practice this week. So it's not like Clayton Toon was getting the requisite amount of reps that he had been getting before Kyler was healthy. It's been Kyler and Josh Dobbs getting primarily all the reps. And you're there at practice. I don't know how much you're able to see in the mm-hmm. brief window that you can see, but... I can't imagine that Kyler's getting a ton of reps with the ones if he's not going to be the one starting. No. And then you even think further down the depth chart, that pushes Clayton Toon further down to even even if there is a threes group. I don't even know if there's a threes yeah. group. Maybe just the practice squad guys is all he gets to I mean, that's who that squad. I mean that's really who Kyler's working with right now. It's it's on one side you've got Toon and Dobbs, who are the active quarterbacks, and on the other side you've got Murray. This is in the open portion. So mm-hmm. as soon as the open portion ends, that could all change. and from what Israel Wolfworks told us and a couple other people, it's Kyler's, you know, working against the starting defense. He's working with the twos, those backups, and, and the practice squad guys. He's also getting those first-team reps. So it's not like he's only stuck on this. He's, I think he's graduated to getting more of those ones reps. I couldn't tell how many he's getting, but yeah. it seems like it's a gradual increase. And just off the injury report, limited. Now he's full. Now, I mean, it just seems the next step would be to activate this weekend. But again, you can't rush this thing after you've been so patient with it especially because you've already paid him like from an organizational standpoint that doesn't have to do with much of the actual mm-hmm. playing aspect and the mindset aspect aspect from the business aspect you are invested in this yes. um, young and talented quarterback make the most of your investment and just be meticulous and careful with it yeah that's really what it comes down to. All right, let's switch to a couple positives from the game for the Cardinals. There were a few. A few. One I've got to start because I think he is clearly coming into his own this year. Trey McBride. Yes. He had... Oh, he was five yards away from ten, that first 100-yard tight end. <laughs> ten catches, uh, 95 yards, one touchdown, five yards away from that elusive 100-yard tight end game that just seems to... Not be in the cards, no pun intended, wow. for this Arizona team. Wow, jeez. Uh, Is it at least in the cards corner? Yes, it's always in the cards <laughs> corner. I man, it's that is a that's a streak that I just I, I would have Vinny say it was the last guy the last guy to have a tight end one hundred yard performance as a cardinal. What did he say? Eight nineteen eighty nine. It's was it. It's uh ah oh man I'm having a brain fart. No, Let it's me. okay. I'll I'll stall for you while you look it up because <laughs> I agree with you. I, when Trey was playing 1989. 1989 was the last time a tight end of the Cardinals had a 100 yard game. And 1989. I, and I knew that was when Taylor Swift was born. Oh jeez. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh well, and here's the funny thing too. I knew as soon as I posted this on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Vinny automatically retweeted it because I knew because I knows. know this I know this stat from Vinny because it's it's just one of those wild Vinny trivia stats yes and it's yeah so Vinny Joe knows 1989 man and they're just five and I thought when they got Zach Ertz I thought oh first game they get Ertz uh, it's 100 yards nope 
he still hasn't done it here. That's <sighs> it's just wild. But Trey McBride coming into his own as a pass catcher, I think he's been doing a lot better as a blocker. But now it's it's taking over that Zach Ertz role, and it's and it's doing it in a different way. He's doing he's getting more screens. He's he's making these more dynamic type plays where I feel like Zach Ertz this year has just been kind of he's there. Throw it to him. He's a security blanket. Throw it to him. Like mm-hmm. here's that four yard. Throw it to him. McBride's got a little bit of like Kelsey-ish, Kittle-ish to him where Mm -hmm. he can just find himself in an open space and make something happen. Also, that catch that he had today where he literally leapt off of the ground and reached up with both hands to pull that sucker in. That was fantastic athleticism. Yes. Not even speaking of athleticism. The way that the refs let that game play out for him to get that touchdown. Oh my gosh, they I did, know. It's like a dog pile going against one another. Let him play. And, oh my let God. him play. Trey, man, you're a dog, bro. Well, I Paris, loved watching And that. it was funny because we talked to Paris after the game and, and even uh, Paris Johnson, and he was talking about how he was so gassed after that. He was exhausted, but it was like, <laughs> oh, I saw I saw the pile 10 yards up, so I just ran. Like, it, it was just, it's awesome. And he celebrated like he scored the touchdown. Yeah. So that was legit, man. That was, that's that. And those are those moments where I think you can be like, wow, this team still is playing with they, so much heart, oh yeah. so much for one another. Like, that's the big thing you've got to take away from these games. And and it can sound cliche, it can sound just every single day, it seems like every week we're talking about this. But, you know, again and again, I have to credit, like he said, I have to credit my team for sticking in and playing. Mm-hmm. This team doesn't give up. And that is un- it, it's unwavering and it's amazing to see. So that alone is is something big. It's just how big how f- is it? How far do you have? To, I mean, how rough does it have to get for that to start waning? And is it a I mean, does it come down to another poor performance that the defense was there, but the offense doesn't make up for it? So I don't know that that's just a whole other discussion but let's just stick with the positives yeah. uh any any other ones jump out at you right away um yeah and if we're gonna stick with the young guys on this team that we are got a lot of expectation on how about a second round rookie bj ojulari got in the backfield for the first time yes. this season getting his first sack of the day um and then you mentioned we uh, mentioned dante stills earlier he got one and a half sacks should have been two like a lot of the young guys are really contributing ben steely who's been back and forth from the practice squad active roster some weeks not even activated at all yeah another sack for him there's a lot of key contribute key contributions excuse me coming from a lot of this young talent pool that particularly monty Asifort, jg and the rest of the front office staff have been bringing in yes yes dante stills man he deserves so much credit this dude, I think he's one of the most comfortable rookies in that organization right now. Just the way he handles himself, just the way he's already just joking around with the guys. And you can just tell this guy is so ingrained with what they're doing and is taking those necessary steps every week. Every week, it's like, whoa, stills again. He's doing it again. Wow. And uh, yeah, one and a half sacks. I thought it was two. But yeah, I think him and uh, Dumi KG were in there at the same time. Great, 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 great performance. Okay. And I know I said positives, but I've got to bring this up. Okay. That's fine. We're talking about rookies. What uh, is up with... I don't know what's happening I don't know here. what's going on with Keytrail Clark. You know what's funny, too? I, I'm shocked that he's not even getting opportunities because Marco Wilson ain't doing all that great either. No, right? no, 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 I, no, no, with no. The Rashad Bateman catch... Oh, yes. ...where he... And I don't know if Marco just didn't have the awareness in the moment, but... Marco did a great job covering underneath in the route. 
and then, then just I, the, the phrasing I used was like he out he got out underneath by Rashad Bateman, and I'm thinking, no man, like. You're supposed to be the one that usurps the wide receiver and yes. takes the ball away. And instead, you yourself got usurped. Like, what the hell are you doing? Yes. So, and then he got called for a pass interference two plays later. Yep. Like, man, God, it's so frustrating watching Marco right and, now. And defenses are picking on him, man. Yes. It, it's when they see and they get that one little that one little opening from him, they go right back to him and they get that that type of situation that we saw today. But yeah, Keytrell Clark was a healthy scratch today. His role has been diminished week after week after week lately. After yep. he started, I think four or five one starter. Yeah, he started a, a stretch of games there, and now is not even having a special teams role. And it's I asked Gannon after the game, and you know this is a weekly thing now, and it's we'll matchup see. matchup based. Uh, you know when guys have a jersey, they know their role. Blah 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 blah. But it just screams what is going on. Has he hit a wall? Is he not doing everything they're asking of him? Right. And another thing along that lines, too, Kayvon Wallace, his release. There's just these things that are going on. he was on. playing well, too. Like, yes. what are they doing? And he was one of their guys from, from Philly. Yeah. So it's just these things. I don't understand what is going on with the secondary right now and why these guys are losing their roles or getting released altogether. So that's something I'm going to be really interested to see moving forward. Obviously, I think Garrett Williams is having something to do with that just because I think he's much more what they want to have on the field at all I times. I mean, they took him higher in the draft than they did yep. Keytrell. So should we be surprised if we're looking at it from that regard? No, no and but Keytrell had all of the experience. True. So that's, that's the thing, I guess, it's just... What is Keytrail not doing that these other guys are doing at this moment? And how egregious is it to not even get to not even be active on Sunday on today? It's just and we consider the cornerbacks, too, that they're throwing out there. We've already complained enough about Marco Wilson. Antonio Hamilton, he's been improving he was, after not getting he was rough this week, too. not getting a ton of reps, but like at least he's get it. He got a couple of pass breakups today, a couple of solo tackles, but. In general, this cornerback room is not it's it's the weak point of the defense. And if it wasn't for Buda Baker and thank goodness Jalen Thompson was back this week too. Yes. If it wasn't for those two back there, they might have gotten they might have allowed three hundred passing yards through the air. I'm yeah. shocked that they allowed under one seventy five today. Yeah, me too, man. Uh, yeah, one fifty seven and just one touchdown. Yeah. That's just that I mean, Mark Andrews even forty yards. It was a weird day for the passing game on the Ravens. Weird, weird, weird day. Especially given how poorly the cornerback play was. Yes. So, usually, at this point of the program, I like to have a prediction of when Kyler Murray's coming back. Okay. But. We only have two options? Three options, maybe? Not technically. Okay, hit me. When do you think he's starting again? Starting? Starting. Because he can. He has to be activated by week 10. Doesn't mean he has to start, though. Can I? Can I... Avoid your question for five seconds and yep. ask you a question. Yep. Do you think he gets activated this week but doesn't start? No. So if he's Ooh. activated, he starts, kind of thing. Yeah, that's I, what I'm wondering too. So and that's, I feel like if he's activated, that's the signal of he needs to be the starter. You put. I agree. In. You can't. That's the point where you don't slow roll it anymore. If he's activated, he's mentally and physically ready. You put him in and you go. So that's why I don't think it happens this week. I think it happens with the Falcons. And I really don't think it happens. Be- I, I don't think Gannon's going to straight up blatantly lie and go back on that. Yeah. It could happen. Who knows? Gamesmanship's there. But I just think he was so confident in saying that it's going to be Dobbs. It will be him at least for 
one more week. And we know Gannon's no stranger to gamesmanship. Week, oh, week yeah. Week one, when they never told anybody who their starting quarterback would oh, be. And Josh. then we're trying to be coy about it after the week one game. Um, but anyway, to answer your question as to when I think he's going to start, uh, I'm kind of in the same camp as everybody else at this point. I see no reason to throw him in against the Browns on the road okay. when you can make him be the feature attraction for the next home game that they have against yep. the Falcons. Yep. And if anything, maybe you help fill the seats a bit and get people excited about the return of Kyler Murray. Uh-huh. And then we'll finally get to see what this offense truly can be with a comp- a more competent quarterback, yeah. I should say. Yes, because I think we can all agree in those first few weeks we saw glimpses of it, but now it's it's really those turnovers are just too... Too glaring for Josh Dobbs to yep. really have a consistent day out there. So yeah, he even fumbled today too. He didn't lose it. Didn't but, lose it, but I, I mean, I think oh, he's had man. five fumbles in the last couple of weeks, and he's I think lost two of them. But yeah, you you can't cough up the ball that much, plain and simple. With that, guys, I think we have dissected everything we can out of this game. You have any other? You want me to put the tools down now? You got any other feelings? Yeah, you can have the scalpel back. You have any <laughs> other uh, feelings or takeaways you wanna you wanna get out to the world before we wrap up this thirty-one twenty-four Cardinals loss to the Ravens in Week Eight? Um, I mean, I get it. We want the success. Like true fans want the success, but at the same time, there is something very big that resulted from this slate of football games today. The Cardinals are now the fi- the odds on or they're the leader now in the clubhouse to land the number one overall pick yep. with their own pick. I should clarify because mm-hmm. Houston has a better record, but they lost to Carolina today. And that's the reason why Huge Arizona win. is in line for the first pick right now. Yep. You At this point, you have to think and you have to process yourself. How badly do you want that number one pick? Yep. Or do you just want to see your team go out there and win? Yeah. What do you want more? That's you, kind of where we're at right now. Do you want to have a feel-good couple wins to have the momentum pour into next season, or do you want to really go into 2024 with a chance with a couple lottery tickets to make a huge splash? Because let me put it this way. I think I don't have a lot of high hopes for them against Cleveland on the road next week. I think that'll be another loss. But if Kyler Murray's starting Week 10 against Atlanta at home, Atlanta benched Desmond Ritter at halftime today against Tennessee. Wow. Uh, Will Levis threw for four touchdowns, four touchdowns today, by the way. Three of them to Hop. old friend D-Hop in yep. four passes, yep. or four receptions, I should say. That feels like a winnable game. And I'm not saying that the Cardinals are going to find some way to continue on tanking. They've made it clear from day one they don't want to tank. They've made it clear in their play that they're competitive for the most part, or at least they're trying. Yeah. So I think if you're given an opportunity where you're going to win, take the win. You know, what's the worst that can happen? You sacrifice the odds of getting a different quarterback who, by the way, hasn't necessarily looked all that great the last three weeks for USC. Maybe you might just be better off with what you have. But having the first pick is nice, I will say. The grass is not always greener, as they like to say. Yes, indeed. That is how they say it. All right, guys. So with that, we are going to wrap it. 31-24 Ravens take down the Cardinals in Week 8. That'll do it for Cardinals Corner. You can follow me on all the social medias at T Drake for Sports. I believe Mitch's handle is Swing and a Mitch, at least for Twitter. Okay, yeah. okay. It, on like Instagram and stuff, I have it as Mitch says Hey. Okay, okay. But some somebody took Mitch says Hey. That's why I don't have it on oh, Twitter. Oh bummer. I know. But you can catch Mitch every day of the week, pretty much from what is it two to six. Well, uh, Steve Zinsmeister and I, excuse me, we're doing the. Um, 
oh, post-game yeah. call-in shows for the World Series games there coming we up. So we'll be on air um, after the games on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday as well. So, so yeah, if you want to call and with that, definitely be sure to tune in. I know I'm probably speaking to a lot of Diamondbacks fans as well, and you can stick right with Arizona Sports for all the coverage of the World Series. We've got Alex Weiner for ArizonaSports.com doing an incredible job. Does great stuff. A lot of guys from behind the scenes doing incredible stuff. So Big Lee's got some awesome columns coming out too. Like it's it's we great. got we got the content, man. We've got it covered. We've got the Cardinals side covered. We've got it all covered. So make sure you go to Arizona Sports 98.7, ArizonaSports.com, the Arizona Sports app for everything you need to know on Cardinals, Diamondbacks, Sun Devils, Coyotes, Suns, every single sport you might want to know in Arizona Sports. And until next time, even though it's another loss. Even though Joshua Dobbs had multiple turnovers once again and is going to get another start in a really rough environment in Cleveland, just make sure you try to enjoy football. We'll talk to you next time.